Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of autoimmune hemolytic anemia from the hematology section on MedBullets.com. Let's begin this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 57-year-old woman recently moved from Florida to Maine over the summer. She presents in November as a new patient looking to establish a primary care relationship. She complains that ever since the temperature dropped, she develops painful, numb blue fingers and toes. They return back to normal once she warms up indoors. However, this happens every time her fingers and toes are cold. Her nose sometimes turns blue, too. On closer questioning, a few weeks ago, she felt fatigued and had a, quote, long cold with sore throat and swollen lymph nodes. She shows a photo of her lymph nodes at the time. This is a case of cold agglutinin disease and autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about this topic. Autoimmune hemolytic anemia is an extrinsic hemolytic anemia caused by antibodies, and this is a type 2 hypersensitivity reaction. In terms of the epidemiology, the peak incidence is between 50s and 80s. Let's now discuss the various different characteristics between warm agglutinin disease and cold agglutinin disease. Warm agglutinin disease involves IgG, and cold agglutinin disease involves IgM. In terms of the temperature at which antibodies are most reactive to RBCs, in warm agglutinin disease, it is at body temperature. In cold agglutinin disease, it is at lower temperatures, less than 37 degrees Fahrenheit. In terms of chronic versus acute, warm agglutinin disease is chronic, while cold agglutinin disease is acute and complement-mediated. With respect to associated conditions, warm agglutinin disease is associated most commonly with SLE, but also with CLL and drugs such as alpha-methyldopa and penicillin. Cold agglutinin disease is associated with mycoplasma pneumonia and infectious mononucleosis, or EBV. In terms of the epidemiology, warm agglutinin disease is associated with autoimmune hemolytic anemia most commonly, and cold agglutinin disease is more common in women. Mnemonics to help you remember this would be warm weather is GGG great, referring to IgG, and cold weather is for ice cream or yum with three M's, referring to IgM. Let's now discuss the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Symptoms of warm agglutinin disease is chronic hemolytic anemia, and symptoms of cold agglutinin disease involves acrocyanosis, symptoms resolving upon warming that part of the body, and acute hemolytic anemia with the cold. Note that acrocyanosis is different from Raynaud. It involves painful and blue toes and fingers in the cold, and it occurs in the, quote, colder parts of the body. Physical exam findings would include splenomegaly and jaundice. Let's now discuss the diagnostic evaluation of autoimmune hemolytic anemia. There are two types of Coombs test, direct and indirect Coombs test. Direct Coombs test is a direct anti-globulin test, or DAT. This is where anti-IgG, or Coombs reagent, is added directly to the patient's RBCs. If the RBCs are coated with immunoglobulin, like in warm agglutinin disease, the RBCs will agglutinate. RBC agglutination means there is a positive DAT. Note that as a part of this test, you can also use anti-C3 Coombs reagent. An indirect Coombs test involves normal RBCs that are added to the patient's serum. If the serum has anti-IgG, the RBCs will agglutinate when you add the anti-IgG. RBC agglutination means there is a positive indirect Coombs test. Direct and indirect Coombs test tells us the same thing, but indirect will tell us that there is more antibodies. Let's now discuss the various different characteristics of the Coombs tests and other tests along with complement levels when comparing warm agglutinin disease and cold agglutinin disease. 
a direct Coombs test result is positive with anti-IgG Coombs reagent in warm agglutinin disease. A direct Coombs test is positive with the direct antiglobulin test with anti-C3 Coombs reagent in cold agglutinin disease. An indirect Coombs test result is positive and tests for IgG autoantibodies in warm agglutinin disease. And an indirect Coombs test is negative for IgG autoantibodies and not performed with IgM antibodies in cold agglutinin disease. In terms of other tests, in warm agglutinin disease, the RBCs spontaneously agglutinate at room temperature. In cold agglutinin disease, the most accurate test is cold agglutinin titer. And finally, in terms of complement levels, in warm agglutinin disease, the complement level is normal. In cold agglutinin disease, there is a decrease in C3 and C4. Note that on peripheral blood smear, you would notice spherocytes also seen in hereditary spherocytosis when you have autoimmune hemolytic anemia. And on urinalysis, you would notice hemoglobinuria and hemosiderinuria. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the three main differentials to keep in mind here are Raynaud's syndrome, heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, and hereditary spherocytosis. Let's now discuss the treatment of autoimmune hemolytic anemia. In warm agglutinin disease, from the best initial therapy to further steps in treatment ladder, you would have the following, glucocorticoids, IVIG, splenectomy, and immunosuppressants. In cold agglutinin disease, you would have keeping extremities warm, supportive therapy with folate, rituximab, and plasmapheresis for those refractory to rituximab. Let's now discuss the prognosis, prevention, and complications of autoimmune hemolytic anemia. In terms of the prognosis, the mortality rate is 10%, and for most patients, the prognosis is good. In terms of prevention, for cold agglutinin disease, you would want to keep the patient warm. In terms of complications, in warm agglutinin disease, the complications are lymphoproliferative disease and venous thromboembolism. In cold agglutinin disease, the complication is peripheral gangrene. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question, a 67-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician because she has been feeling increasingly fatigued over the last month. She has noticed that she gets winded halfway through her favorite walk in the park even though she was able to complete the entire walk without difficulty for years. She recently moved to an old house and started a new Mediterranean diet. Her past medical history is significant for hypertension and osteoarthritis for which she underwent a right hip replacement two years ago. Physical exam reveals conjunctival pallor as well as splenomegaly. Labs are obtained and the results are as follows. The hemoglobin level is 9.7 grams per deciliter, where the normal level is 12 to 15.5 grams per deciliter. The mean corpuscular volume is 91 cubic micrometers, where the normal level is between 80 and 100 cubic micrometers. The direct Coombs test is positive, and the indirect Coombs test is positive. Peripheral blood smear reveals spherical red blood cells. Red blood cells are also found to spontaneously aggregate at room temperature. The disorder that is most likely responsible for this patient's symptoms should be treated in which of the following ways? 1. Avoidance of fava beans. 2. Chelation therapy. 3. Chronic blood transfusions. 4. Glucocorticoid administration. Or 5. Vitamin supplementation.
and the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, glucocorticoid administration. This patient with normocytic Coombs-positive anemia with spontaneous aggregation of red blood cells most likely has warm autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which should be treated with glucocorticoid administration. Remember, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, or AIHA, is a cause of extrinsic hemolytic anemia that is caused by antibody production against red blood cell antigens. These antibodies lead to destruction of red blood cells by the spleen, which results in the characteristic findings of fatigue, low hemoglobin, and splenomegaly. AIHA can be divided into warm and cold subtypes, where warm AIHA is mediated by IgG antibodies and cold AIHA is mediated by IgM antibodies. Characteristic lab findings of warm AIHA are positive Coombs test, which demonstrate that affected red blood cells are coated by antibodies, spherocytes on peripheral blood smear, and spontaneous agglutination of red blood cells at room temperature. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, avoidance of fava beans would be indicated for glucose 6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency, however this disease would present with jaundice, dark urine, and bite cells on peripheral blood smear. Answer choice 2, chelation therapy would be indicated for lead poisoning anemia, however this disease would present as a microcytic anemia with neuropathies such as wrist drop. Answer choice 3, chronic blood transfusions would be indicated for macroangiopathic anemias, however this cause of anemia would present with schistocytes on peripheral blood smear and negative Coombs test. And finally, answer choice 5, vitamin supplementation would be indicated for vitamin B12 and folate deficiencies, however these diseases would present with a macrocytic megaloblastic anemia. In summary, warm autoimmune hemolytic anemia can demonstrate spontaneous aggregation of red blood cells at room temperature and a positive Coombs test. Next question, a 34-year-old female visits her primary care physician because recently she has started to have painful, numb, and discolored toes. She is otherwise healthy and has no family history of similar conditions that she can recall. Occasionally, during these episodes, her fingers and nose will also have similar symptoms. On examination, the patient's appearance is completely normal with warm and well-perfused extremities. No evidence of discoloration is found. On closer questioning, she reveals that several months ago during the summer, she succumbed to a viral illness that caused her to feel fatigued and have a long bout of cold symptoms with sore throat and swollen lymph nodes. The bacterial species that is also associated with this patient's most likely condition has which of the following characteristics? 1. Acid fast. 2. Gram negative. 3. Gram positive. 4. No cell wall or 5, spirochete. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, no cell wall. This patient who experiences acrocyanosis in peripheral body parts during the winter after a mononucleosis or Epstein-Barr virus infection most likely has cold agglutinin disease. This disease is also associated with mycoplasma, which has no cell wall. Remember, cold agglutinin disease is a form of autoimmune hemolytic anemia that is caused by production of self-reactive IgM antibodies. These antibodies are most active at colder temperatures and function to fix complement to red blood cells. Subsequent lysis of these red blood cells causes extravascular hemolysis and painful discoloration of colder parts of the body, such as the fingers and toes. It is important to remember that the antibodies responsible for cold agglutinin disease are often triggered by either mononucleosis or mycoplasma pneumoniae. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. 
Answer choice one. Acid fast bacteria include mycobacteria, which can cause pulmonary symptoms and lytic bone lesions. However, they are not associated with cold agglutinin disease. Answer choice two. Gram-negative bacteria include zoonotic bacteria such as Yersinia species that may lead to peripheral pain and discoloration. However, they are not associated with cold agglutinin disease. Answer choice three. Gram-positive bacteria include streptococcus and staphylococcus species that can cause rashes such as scarlet fever or toxic shock syndrome. However, they are not associated with cold agglutinin disease. And finally, answer choice five, spirochetes, such as treponema species, can cause peripheral neuropathy and damage such as in the chronic form of syphilis. However, they are not associated with cold agglutinin disease. In summary, cold agglutinin disease can cause pain, numbness, and discoloration in more peripheral parts of the body and is associated with mononucleosis and mycoplasma. And that's all for this review about autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.